and welcome to episode 37. I'm your host, Sarah Chappay. And I'm your other host, Jake Cooley. The Relatively Relatable Podcast is a weekly podcast about life, trends, and advice from two people who have no business giving it. Relatively Relatable is brought to you by Blank Slate Link. And to find out more, you can head to our Instagram page at Relatively Relatable Pod. So, Jake? Yes. <laughs> Back at it. Back at it again with them pods. <laughs> yes. Did you have a good 4th of July weekend? Oh, I sure did. Yeah? Boy, did I. Did you? Let me tell you. I did. Um, I went to... This is going to sound... Everyone that I tell this to, it's just really funny for some reason, but I drove uh, seven hours to a town of like, let's see, my guess is 1,200 people. 2,000 people. <laughs> Not far off. Um, called Imperial, Nebraska. Basically like, I think a half hour from the Colorado border, so mm-hmm. like very west nebraska and uh this is where my best friend is living right now and so we hung out uh we had friday off for work so i took a half day on thursday made the drive out got stuck in a pretty gnarly storm so mm-hmm. i had to shelter under a uh covered gas pump so i didn't get hailed on oh no it was one of those things where i was driving along and he had called me and uh was like, hey, have you seen any weather on your way out here? And it was like perfectly clear skies. You know, I was like, dude, no way. It's a great <laughs> drive. I'm in my zone right now. It's great. And uh half hour later, started to get some gray skies. I was like, all right, maybe it's going to rain. Um, they had failed to tell me that they just got hit by like golf ball sized hail. He didn't say anything on the phone? Well, no, because at that point it hadn't happened yet. Oh. Like it was coming their way and they said there might be hail. So that to me, I was like thinking pea-sized hail. Yeah. And so then he um, went back to work or whatever and um, I turned to go north and was driving for like 20 minutes. I was like, okay, my plan is, you know, I'll pull off at this next town and just let this front pass or whatever. Because I could see, like, on one side, it was, like, pretty dark. And on the other side of the road, it was clear skies. So mm-hmm. I was, like, right, you know, on the edge of it. And then I was texting my buddy's wife. And she was like, yeah, we just got hit with, like, golf ball-sized hail. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? <laughs> so then I was really nervous. Um, our dad has this story of, like, having just got a brand-new truck and then... Um, got stuck in a hailstorm and had to just watch the hail destroy his car. And my car's not brand new, but it is only two years old. Yeah. So like I'm still pretty protective of it. And uh, that's like my worst nightmare is getting stuck in hail. So yeah. I was like really just kind of like white knuckling, super nervous. The temperature dropped 30 degrees oh. in like five minutes. The, sc- the, the uh, sky went green, which is never a good sign. No. Um, so I, the wind was like crazy blowing me all over the place on this like single lane country highway, you know, (laughs) once you get off, once you get off I-70 to go North, um, to like rural Nebraska, it's not an interstate anymore, you know, it's, and it's like everyone in their farm truck driving around. So I 
Um, shout out to Google Maps and Apple CarPlay for being able to click add stop and find a gas station while you're driving on like this display in your car is, is pretty handy. So I navigated to this gas station, um, pulled off. There was no one else there. And I like pulled under the covered thing the whole time. I was just like, please be covered. Please be covered. Yeah. Please be covered. And uh, so I just, I had to hang out there for like an hour. Uh, never saw any hail. I think re- in reality, I probably could have just kept going and been fine, but I didn't want to gamble. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of funny because like everyone else in this town was just like out driving around. Like it was <laughs> raining super hard and like the wind was blowing. Like it was not just like a little rainstorm, but people in Nebraska tend to just like, you not know, care. not care. Yeah. <laughs> So people like kept coming to this gas station. It was only like one car at a time. Like if multiple people, multiple people would have came, I probably would have like done a lap around the parking lot or something. Just yeah. so I was just sitting there. Um, but at one point, this old dude pulled up. Old dude driving like an Equinox or something. I couldn't really figure out what was going on, but <laughs> he like was at the stall, like the gas pump on the other side of me, so like he could see, like basically looking right into the driver's side window. And just gawking at me because I was just sitting there on my phone, you know, not pumping gas. Yeah. My, my car was on because I wanted the AC because it was still, muggy. you know, I didn't want the muggy air. Um, he was just gawking at me. And at one point, like, I could tell that he was just trying to figure out what I was doing there. And I think he figured out that I was just, like, loitering or something. Oh. I don't know. So then, like, as he was leaving, he, of course, like all old people do yelled at me you better move your car and then drove off with his gas tank open so <laughs> i didn't really feel like his opinion was super important Valid. because <laughs> he, he's gonna tell me what to do and then do that but and then he like drove around the block a few times to like see if i was still there so i, I think this dude was straight up about to call the cops on me oh for some reason gosh. because like i had an out-of-state license plate and was like just sitting there if he would have thought for like more than half a second about it he'd probably realize that i was just trying to not drive in the storm yeah you know but because he was a jerk and old he didn't think that way (laughs) so i eventually you know ended up making my way i took a different route to get around the storm cell and after that was fine went off without a hitch so it's a good weekend so it's seven hours seven hours which is nice though because on the way out there you cross into mountain time that's how far west it is in nebraska so you actually gain an hour so it's really only like six hours going out there but coming back it's like eight hours i mean i'm just gonna throw it out there it is like seven hours to the cabin and you have refused to come to the cabin because it's a seven hour drive there's a difference how is there a difference let me tell you the difference that you gain your hour no well yes but also this (laughs) The difference is, every time you ask me to go to the cabin, you say, hey, we're going to the cabin Tuesday through Tuesday of the next That's month. That's not true at and all. And we expect you to take paid time off for that, that entire time. not true at all. Whereas in this case, I earned some time off in my flex time, <laughs> oh so I had gosh. a half day I could take off. We had a paid Friday off. Oh, Lord. So it was, it's a different thing. I, don't, I, I don't also want to go like on to record my that you say that I exaggerate a lot. We are cut never, from the same cloth. I never say that brother. I don't exaggerate a lot. 
You do always do this though. You okay? Here's what you say. You usually say we're gonna be there for like four or five days or something. And, and it's I like, say you can come out. It's like what Thursday works for through you. Tuesday. But here's the thing. <laughs> we the, never do that. The thing that makes the most sense for me would be like if I just come on like a Friday, I would get there at like midnight if I worked the whole day, right? And then I would get like Saturday and then I'd have to drive all the way back on Sunday. So like having go, driving seven hours <laughs> to have one full day at the lake is not worth it, Okay. And I am very stingy about my PTO because I save it up for other things, um, like trips and things that mm-hmm. are more substantial, where I get like more than, more than one day of enjoyment out of it. Yeah. So in this case, the, the only reason that, it was, that I could justify it was because I had the Friday off for work and that I had worked so much uh, the two weeks following up that I had a bunch of flex time yeah. built up so I could take a half day and I got the hour. So I really like, <laughs> I left here at new, at one and I got there at, well, I ended up getting there at eight because of the whole, I really didn't get the hour because of the yeah, storm. You had to lose the hour at the gas station. Right. It, it was a net zero thing yeah. because of the storm, but that's my justification. That's my logic. I mean, it's fine. I know that Tyler is more important than me like I've just come to accept that he is the brother you never had yep so it's true it's true how far is Imperial from North Platte Nebraska do you know I think um it can't be that far yeah I was gonna say because North Platte's four from Lincoln it's pretty close to like Sydney huh yep and you know, I just I don't know. The, I'm not a I'm not a huge lake guy. Oh jeez, you grew up going to the lake. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to the lake sometime. Okay. Maybe for like Labor Day. When's the next When's the next holiday I get time off for? Well, we will be on our road trip over Labor Day. Wow. I cannot believe that you would rather go on a road trip and I do know. something that you're going to have fun doing than yeah. spend time with me. I know. How selfish of you. I know. <sighs> it is pretty crazy. Man. Anyway, I was I was pretty I was pretty sad though like I had a moral dilemma for a while if I was going to go spend 4th of July with my second family or with my real family. Mhm. Because I haven't seen my real family since December, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and it's only a three-hour drive to see your real family. That's true. But um, mom was working. Not that, like, we all have to be together for it to be worth the trip, but I'm really, like, wanting the next time I see the family to be, like, a banger of a weekend, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm saving up for something like that. I probably won't see you till, like, November then. Uh, like I think I'm, I'm going to make a trip in a couple weeks here, I think. Better be before August. It will be. I'm trying to find a weekend that mom's not working. Yeah. But yeah, I'll make. I'm, I'm gonna make something happen. Hey. You're gonna go on a road trip when the whole world is closed. What are you gonna do? We're going to national parks. I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. So no COVID there. As of right now, all the national parks are still open, and then if they aren't, like we won't be booking anything, so we'll know. Okay, we just aren't going. But, yep, we'll be gone for about 35 days. 
Yikes. Yay. <laughs> That's cool, man. You got to do stuff like that when you're young. That's what everyone keeps telling me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's a commitment and it's scary. Why is it scary? Uh, it's just like, you know, like what if what if we get attacked by like somebody who wants to like rob us or like what if a bear tries to like break in? All those things can happen to you in your home. A bear, the bear could not The bear get... thing would be even more impressive, but <laughs> someone can attack you in your home. You can get a Don't say can... that. I won't you, go to sleep tonight. You're you were like chicken little. No. Yeah, you are. You're always kind of like you find a lot of reasons not to, uh, not to look forward to things because of something may happen. That is a great segue into our topic today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yes. Well. Yeah. That's why I'm like scared to go, but I think once we get closer and get going, it'll I'll be more like adrenaline excited rather than it'll be fun nervous. hopefully people can't hear me chewing on my chili in this but that sounds like a, a euphemism like, a little asmr to get us that, going does it that's a new phrase we should start saying you should make a sticker that says just chewing on my chili <laughs> okay i, I can would do that put that on a bottle <laughs> just chewing on my chili chili chewer chili chewer <laughs> all right okay this week we are talking about the Enneagram, which was a mm-hmm. listener-requested topic for us. To is this into. a Montana thing? This is a Montana thing. Oh, my gosh. How did I know? Because <laughs> she loves us. So um, off the bat, what do you think of the whole idea of the Enneagram test I've gone, and guides? I've gone back and forth a lot on these personality test things. Um, and I think I've, I may have gone on record on this podcast once about it before, but I can't remember. So I'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> I think in general, I'm a huge fan of introspection and under, understanding the ways that you respond to things and like understanding things about yourself. Um, I'm all for that. Right. Okay. The thing that I don't like about this is when people get really into Enneagrams as a way of diagnosing things that they don't like about other people mm-hmm. or um, using it as a way of like passive aggressively telling your significant other the way that they should be acting to make you happy because of your Enneagram type. Yeah. Um, I think that like... It shouldn't take the place of legitimate conversation between you and the world. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that it, like, I think a lot of people use it as an excuse for getting upset about certain things and then, um, or their unfavorable behavior in some situation and then uh, trying to sweep it under the rug by saying, well... (laughs) I'm just an Enneagram type XYZ, so you can't get mad at me because all of my feelings are justified all the time because yeah. of I'm Enneagram type whatever. Yeah. So, I, like, are you I don't want to. specific right now? <laughs> just like every girl on Instagram that is also into Enneagrams. Like, I don't want to get on Instagram and constantly be reminded of what Enneagram type you are because I know that the reason that you're doing that is so that other people will tiptoe around you. So that they will act a certain way to cater towards what you think 
people should act, how people should act to make yeah. you happy. I think that like you should understand your responses to things and you should understand the things that are important to you. But that means that you should then have like meaningful conversations with people that are close to you and, and like be able to express uh, your emotions. Like I think emotional intelligence is really important. Mm-hmm. I don't think that like blaming your poor reactions on your Enneagram type is acceptable. And I don't think that telling other people how they should act to be compatible with, uh, with what you want is acceptable either. So that's my rant. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that was kind of like something I was going to say. I love the Enneagram. I reference it a lot. At first, I was really put off by the idea because it was like when I had heard of it, it was just like another personality test. Like the Myers-Briggs, I've taken it, but I can't remember what I am. I've had to take the strengths finders for work before. And like those, Mm -hmm. I always thought were so stupid because I hope nobody from my past job listened to this, but we had to have them like- Or Myers-Briggs are both listening to this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We used to have to have our strength finders on our like office door so people knew what our strengths were. And people would always use it as an excuse to like- not do something so if like something didn't get done that needed to get done they'd be like oh well responsibility isn't on one of my top five and i'm like right well i don't care because you still have to do your job you still paid to do that thing yeah you know or like i was in a row i was i had a cubicle at the time and i was in a row of people that had positivity in their top like three and positivity was not even in my top five. And so they're like, oh, Sarah's the negative Nancy with like yeah. all these positive people. And I'm like, yeah. just because it's not a top five strength of mine doesn't mean that I am just like, they would say I was the April Ludgate of the office. So they would like call me April all the time. Yeah, that is in a nutshell. My biggest problem with personality typing, I don't think anyone else needs to know. Like, I don't like when uh, there are, that's a very common thing. My company doesn't do it, but I know a lot of companies that do that and you have to like have it on your desk. Yeah. They like frame it for you. Yeah. It's like disgusting. It had to be in our um, email signatures and. Are you serious? Yeah. I think those (laughs) things are great for you to know yourself, to know what you're good at. And I think your manager should probably know what you're good at. Yeah. But also if they can't tell what you're good at, by being your manager, they're not a very good manager. Yeah. That's not one of their top five strengths. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I think they're <laughs> weird. But I think um, the Enneagram really helped me once I like learned about it a little bit better was to better understand how to communicate and like function relationally and process the world around me and then like how to do that with other people. So like for example it helped me better communicate and understand Stefan and Ashley because we all live together and Stefan and Ashley are both Enneagram nines. So that puts me on the outside of how we would all interpret and like process the situation. And so once I learned about that and learned how they communicate, it like, it's just a little bit better for me because I'm completely different than they are. And rather than just being like, Oh, Sarah's crazy. It's like, no, I just, experience the world differently than the people I live with. Right. And I feel kind of like one of those people, like I always am joking about it and being like, oh, that's my Enneagram showing or that's my like wing five showing. Um, But like, I don't think it's a 
it's not an excuse to like act a certain way or be, uh, I don't know. It's like when people are like, oh, well, I'm a Sagittarius. So it's like, right. no, Beth, you're just toxic. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't act that way. And the thing that's unique about the Enneagram, I think, is that it specifically talks about your weaknesses and targets your weaknesses so that you can mm-hmm. learn to like grow out of it. So when people are just like, oh, I am an Enneagram too. So you have to speak to me this specific way so I don't feel hurt. It's like, I mean, no, because <laughs> there's ways to become healthy so that if somebody didn't speak to you that way, you wouldn't, you know. Right. I don't know. So, But that approach takes a lot of... Uh, internal... It takes a lot of self-effort, like effort yes. on yourself. And I don't think a lot of people are going to do that. No. And I'm also a cynic. I, I, I know that I'm very cynical. But I think that a lot of people, instead of focusing on the ways that they can improve, like your Enneagram tells you a lot of things that you need to, or not that you need to improve on, but um, maybe some shortcomings in your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people will look up Enneagrams of people that, like if you know someone is a type whatever or you think someone is a type whatever, uh-huh. you'll look up that Enneagram type and be like, mm-hmm, yeah, John is a jerk because of these reasons. <laughs> he is totally a type X, Y, Z. And use that as a way to just like talk trash on people. Yeah. So that's like human nature. I don't know. I am glad I'm not the type of person to talk trash on someone for being a specific Enneagram. Like, oh, that is... Like, you know, people that are really into, is it astrology? They're like, I hate Geminis and like, I will not date a Gemini. I don't know why. I just know people don't like Geminis. I think they're, I don't know. But it's like people will legit not be friends with certain signs because of like characteristics that sign can contain. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have found that the uh, descriptions of my zodiac sign are almost always correct. Yeah, me too. Not I even, think it's so not, funny. Not like the horoscope. I think horoscopes are stupid because are. it's just like a bunch of generalized <laughs> phrases yeah. that you've heard probably yeah. in fortune cookies before. <laughs> yeah. But like the actual like character traits of Scorpios a lot of the time are yeah. very consistent with the way that I act mm-hmm. to the point where one time, and this is based off of like a sample size of N equals one picture that I saw on Pinterest, <laughs> but it was like everybody's uh, favorite drink based on oh. Zodiac sign <laughs> and the mine was Mojito, which is by far and beyond <laughs> one of my favorite drinks, especially in the summer. Ooh. I think the thing was actually like favorite summer drink. So like it was perfect. very specific. But then I looked up another one and it was wrong, but I was like, nah, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to go with this one because I don't yeah. like daiquiris. But <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I okay. think I think in general, like I've taken this test a couple times and my number has changed almost every time I've taken it. Have or you taken the same like, test? Because they have different yeah. tests. Yeah, well, one, the first time I took it was like a hippy-dippy test. Yeah. And the last couple times, they're usually like on rotation, the same few. Mm-hmm. I think it depends a lot on uh, where I'm at in life at that time. But I think they're good for just knowing about yourself. But I... Again, I will echo, I don't like it when people just try to extrapolate things about other people based on like a stupid number that the internet gave you. <laughs> so. 
Okay, so for those that don't know what an Enneagram is, I'm going to go over it real quick. So, and I'm going to eat my chili while you do that. Okay. So the Enneagram is um, the Enneagram of personality, or as like most people refer to it, is just the Enneagram. Um, it's a model of human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. And yes, I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. Um, according to the Enneagram, each of the nine personality types is defined by a particular core belief about how the world works. So that's very important to the Enneagram. Um, usually when I'm asking people like if they know what their Enneagram is and they don't, I'll just ask them like what their basic fear is or what do they think their basic need is. And then you can usually figure out kind of where somebody falls based on those few questions or how they like handle conflict. What do you mean by basic fear and basic um, need? Well, Sorry, I've got a, that. got a chili bean <laughs> in my throat. <laughs> I'll get into that. Um, Cause there's, there's uh, three types of like centers that people experience. Like, do you have this all needs. memorized? I'm reading it. Like, no. no, I know. But like you, <clears throat> dang, you said that uh, you will ask people what their basic fear is. You, like, I know you, like you generally, have, like, I don't know very specific the, like, name, because each n- number has a name associated with it, and I don't know those. Like Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so, for example, I'm a Enneagram 6, and that's deemed the loyalist. So, like, I don't know ah. everybody's, like, and then once you have a wing, it, like, changes that. So, I don't know all of those, but I know fairly well, like, if your basic need is, you know, uh security which is mine i would be like oh you're a six or if i really hate confrontation you're probably a nine i would could be wrong but like it's you can kind of sort out different ones based on those questions sure um so you can be a one or through a nine there's only nine we or enneagrams and then you can have a wing based on that So your wing can only be the numbers directly next to yours. So if you're an Enneagram 2, your wing can only be a 1 or a 3. And Ennea is actually Greek for 9. So that's where Enneagram comes from. And I, for the longest time, couldn't pronounce it. And I'm very proud of myself that I can now say oh, it I'm really correctly. bummed that you're saying it right this time because <laughs> I was going to unload on you. I, I had even, a whole bit. I had I a bunch <laughs> planned. I don't I even remember how I used to say it. You used to say an Enneagram. <laughs> and my jokes were going to be, do you say Tennessee? <laughs> and things of the like. You like had it like... I had like I had material planned. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad I like really have been working on saying it correctly then. Yeah. An Enneagram. The Enneagram. Um, okay, so there are three centers of intelligence and perception. There's the head, heart, and body, and that's just how kind of like the nine function, the nine Enneagrams. So while every individual has all three of these, the head, heart, and body, each of the nine personality types has a strength in one of them. So our internal character structure, as well as the way um, of being in the world, is based in this center. So these are like issues revolve around a powerful, largely unconscious emotional response to the loss of contact with the core of its, of the self. 
Can you summarize that for me? I just did. Uh, <laughs> you read it. What's the TLDR? So you basically, it's street. how you experience the world and like how you connect to your inner self. And from what mm. I was reading, it's like how you connect to your most basic, like childlike self. Most basic ass bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood today. I don't know. I why. can tell, but I'm like vibing I'm here, with though. it. Yeah. I'm here. So um, there is the instinctive center, and the emotion is anger or rage. Uh, the feeling center is shame, the emotion tied to that, and the thinking center is fear. So that's those are the things that like drive you. So for example, I'm a six. Fear drives a lot of my decisions and emotions. Um, so of course, all nine types contain all three of these emotions, but those are the ones that are like particularly affected. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thinking center... <clears throat> Uh, using the mind for language and rational thinking, ideas, images, plans, and strategies. That's the head. Those are types seven, six, and five. Um, the feeling center, using the heart for positive and negative feelings, empathy and concern for others, romance, devotion, located in the area of the chest and diaphragm, types two, three, and four. So like, for example, type four is known for being very like artsy and like introspective and like they, a lot of people describe him as the ones to like look out the window and listen to sad music while it's raining. Like that's like the, t- you know, so it's very just like in uh-huh. your feels and like that mm. twos can come off like that too. Like I know a couple twos that I'm like, I'm really surprised you're not a four just because of that similar like, uh, like emotions, you know? Mm. Like um, emo. Yeah. Um, and then there's the instinctive one <clears throat> using the body for movement Sensei awareness, gut level knowing, personal security, and social belonging. And those are types eight, nine, and one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like the quick and dirty version of what an Enneagram is. The Enneagram, okay. you could spend, there's books on it, like, there's podcasts dedicated just to talking about Enneagrams. Like, you could do so much deep dive into it. Let me it. just say, though, that does not legitimize it. No. There's books and podcasts about a lot. No, I'm just saying like that's there's so much more to it than just like what I'm saying. Right. But um I just I just wanted to make sure that you knew there's books and podcasts about astrology. (laughs) I just mean like this is not the full encompassing school of Enneagrams. School there's a school? Uh yes. You can get trained in it and like teach other people about it. Wow. Yeah, you can take classes. Is it a pyramid scheme? Do you Um, have to recruit other people to your your Enneagram web? There's a $500 sign-up fee. Once you find one of each type, do you get a prize? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you got to catch them all? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay, so you said that you took the test. Yeah, I just finished it in preparation for this episode. What did you get this time? You tell me. What do you think? I think you're a five. Okay, tell me why. Um, because you're very analytical. You're very mm. much, you don't like to be boxed in. You don't like mm-hmm. to be categorized, like, for the fact that you kind of think, like, you're like, yeah, the Enneagram's cool, but it's not valid. Like, you have to make sure. I didn't say it's not valid. Yes, you just did. No, I just, just said I said that. that you saying that there's books and podcasts about it does not make it valid by nature. 
Okay. I said it's. I think it's important to know things about yourself. So I'm all for you know. Um. I also think that the way that you like interact with the world is you try to take in a lot of data. You try to learn a lot about the world around you, and you like to find little pockets of different worlds to be involved in. Like you know a lot about a lot of things and just because you're my brother i know you on a better level i think you're a five okay what'd you get i would uh, also say you might be a one so mm. yes because <laughs> you're very black and white Ah, uh, yes of course what would you get um so i i will i will start by saying i think your description of me is pretty accurate <laughs> And in the past, I have gotten five. <laughs> I have also gotten one in the past. Oh. And I got, the, I took this in college and I got a one. Uh-huh. And I think when I was in college, that was a, a, a big uh, or a great fit. Uh-huh. The way that I perceived myself and the world, which sounds weird because it was only a little over two years ago, mm-hmm. it has been vast, it's vastly different from mm-hmm. the way that I. Um, interact with the world now, which I think is cool. Um, so I took it today and I got type four. Okay, I could see that. Which I'm not surprised by because I think last time I took it, my thing was five wing four. Mm-hmm. And now it tells me that I'm a four wing five. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I was just reading the thing and it says that intellectual fours tend to mistakenly type themselves as fives. I'm pretty intellectual. I suppose. That would be your wing then. And then the five thing says fives, especially with a four wing, sometimes mistype themselves as fours. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like right in the middle. Mm -hmm. I'm a four and a half, which out of nine is not bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. What what can you tell me about a four? Um, Well, I did all my research on this for fives. Mm hmm. Would you say um, I'm emotionally complex and highly sensitive? Yes. And I long to be understood and appreciated for my authentic self? Yes. Mm. Is that your four? Yeah. It's the okay. indiv- individualist. Yeah. So here's the four. This is based on the centers. So because you're a four, you would be in the feeling center. Um. Mm. So this is based off that. So... You attempt to control shame by focusing on how unique and special your particular talents, feelings, and personal characteristics are. Fours highlight their individuality and creativity as a way of dealing with their shameful feelings, although fours are the type most likely to to succumb to feelings of inadequacy. Mm. Fours also manage their shame by cultivating a rich romantic fantasy life in which they do not have to deal with whatever in their life seems drab or uninteresting to them. But when I was looking it up and I was researching for fives, this fit you, I think, a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a fear about the outer world and about their capacity to cope with it. Thus, they cope with their fear by withdrawing from the world. Fives become secretive, isolated loners who use their minds to penetrate into the nature of the world. Fives hope that eventually, as they understand reality on their own terms they will be able to rejoin the world and participate in it but they never feel they know enough to participate with total confidence 
Instead, they involve themselves with increasingly complex inner worlds. And I feel like that would be more accurate to you than the why four. Do you, why do you say that? Um, because, so for the four, the whole thing is that, like, they live in this, like, they always feel like they're, well, I guess you've said that before. There's, like, this movie going on in their life. They're trying to romanticize their life because Mm. they don't want to succumb to the feeling of being inadequate. They don't want to be like, oh, my life is so uninteresting. And like part of that drives them to be very like eclectic, you know, personalities. So like, for example, Tyler is a four and... Tyler Talbot, for those of you who don't know who Tyler is. Yes, Tyler Talbot is a four. I'm not going to assume that he is in feels inadequate or that his life is uninteresting but like Mm. there's that basic desire and fear that my life is just boring that is like a basic fear of a four yeah i don't think that the 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 reason i have issues with these is because of the way that it's described all the time because i the black and white analytical part of my brain mm-hmm. like this is written out as if like your the tendencies in your life are like so obvious right yeah i think all these tendencies at least for me are really really subtle so when i read this like very explicit explanation of the way that you act or whatever i'm like no i don't come up with alternate realities like that <laughs> sounds delusional do you right? daydream a lot yeah but that's okay. what i mean like to the average person Hearing the phrase, you spend a lot of time constructing alternate realities to (laughs) escape the inadequacy of your everyday life. (laughs) That is very different on paper than just like, bro, you daydream a lot. Yeah. Right. I need like, I need like the bro version of this. Like, dude, you daydream a lot. Um, (laughs) Sometimes you wish there was something else you were doing. Yeah. Um, There is like, so there are levels of like healthy and like mediocre and like non-healthy and then like severely unhealthy. And so I think when they write these, they write them based on like almost the unhealthy to at like average human. Um, so if you like are a five, but don't necessarily resonate with it, you could just be very healthy in those like different characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Okay. So I was going to talk more about like the basic mirrors and Nears, <laughs> basic <laughs> needs and fears. Okay. Feeds and nears. Feeds and nears. So, right. like I said, each Enneagram um, has a title assigned to it. So, I am an Enneagram six, which is the loyalist. Um, but because I'm an Enneagram six wing five, my title is now the guardian. So, that means basically, like, I will defend my friends and family or people that I care about. I will go down with the ship because I'm so loyal and I've seen that in so many areas of my life. But then like once I'm done, it's just like cut the ties and like don't look back. Mm. Um, What else was there? Um, I'm logical. I'm hardworking, but I'm very independent. Um, And that those are very different from like a six wing seven. Um, It's like... I'm not going to get into that because that's not like mine. But um, once I found, like once I took the test and really started to read about like the Enneagram and like what a healthy six is and an unhealthy six and like how my wing plays into it, I feel like it literally 
my entire life came into focus in a way that like even years of therapy did not do for me. Mm. I was like reading a disc- one of the descriptions because you can go to the Enneagram site and it just lists like all the descriptions and it goes like so into detail about how you like r- relate to other people and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how like sixes are very hot and cold in their life. They're very driven, but they can be very lazy. They can be very... Um, passionate, but then can be very apathetic. They can be very spontaneous, but then very like calculated and have to like be very routine. Mm. And I always thought that I was legit like undiagnosed bipolar because of how polarizing my personality can be sometimes depending on the day. Mm. And then reading it, I was like, oh, it's okay. I don't really know what that means, but it was just like nice to know that it was like normal almost. You know what I mean? You're at least not the only one. Yeah. Um, So for my basic desire, it's to have security. And I've never really known like a word to describe that I needed that to function. I knew I like needed routine and needed to be affirmed that like the people around me loved me and like, you know, cared about me and weren't going to leave. But I didn't know that that boiled down to like the a very basic need which is feeling secure and that is how it goes into your like childlike state of need because that's like what a child would need is security Mm. but but they wouldn't be able to say like i need security (laughs) you know like they're just like i need to be taken care of and so then my basic fear comes out of that too that i would have lack of guidance and stability and that really shows in my life in times of needing to make a decision because i ask literally everybody for their opinion and I asked them 17 times so that I can feel guided to make the correct decision yeah (laughs) you do I do and it really shows like stressing times of my life how many people I ask like if Uh. I'm asking like so usually if I'm gonna quit my job or something which I haven't done in like three years I quit and never went back. Uh, I forgot that was a thing you used to do. <laughs> every like every like six months. Yeah. I would ask everybody and their mom what I should do because it's such a big decision and I didn't want to mm-hmm. do the wrong thing. And I would like always go back to people asking for them. And when I'm turning in a healthy season in my life, I can make a decision on my own and feel confident in it and mm-hmm. like not ask people for So, for example, I did a very big thing. I bought a bunch of furniture for the office, and I did not ask anybody. I just bought it. Wow. I know. That's a big thing for me because normally I would discuss it over and over and over until I felt very, like, affirmed in my choice. Right. Whereas, like, Stefan doesn't have that characteristic and that basic fear and need. And so we process decision-making differently, and I, doing that, probably get under his skin a lot. Mm. I have that tendency too, though, where I like to get a lot of f- feedback on things that I'm considering, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't find, at least I don't think it's from a standpoint of like desiring affirmation. For me, it's like acquiring data points. Yeah, know, but that's a like, characteristic of a five. But like asking a lot of people things. No, but acquiring data would be. Uh yeah. So how does that relate to my type 4 diagnosis? 
of the human condition. Of the human condition. Okay. I'm just trying. I'm trying to grasp why mine. Like mine. I've never gotten a solid answer out of this thing. Like I don't know what I am. Well, I'm always either a four or a five, and the five says fives are often mistyped as fours, and the four says fours are often mistyped as fives. Okay. So is so it possible to be both? Am I really just right in the middle? Um, I was reading that you can be like. Or There's does a, it change, like, depending it on does. the time of, like, what you're going through in life? Because, I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a stage in my life right now that I've never been in before. Like, mm-hmm. I live with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm exploring a lot of emotion a lot of the time, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out how I process things. Um, I've found that I can be really harsh at certain mm-hmm. times, and other times I can be very, like, have no opinion. And I'm exploring mm-hmm. that. So I think, like... <laughs> My thinking about that has influenced the way that I answered these questions. Whereas I think the last time I took this was maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was living alone. You know, I was dating the same girl, but yeah. you know, it, things change. It changes, yeah, based on seasons of your life. And I don't know. I think maybe my answers were were uh, skewed. So if I would be answering, if I would be like analyzing you based on me knowing you for your entire life, I think you would probably be a four based on who you were when you were younger. How but so? who you are now would be a five, which would probably be why you could be either one. Sure. So your basic fear as a four <clears throat> is that um, you have no identity or personal significance. Does that resonate mm. with you? Are you afraid that you mean nothing to this world, that you will come and go and no one will know who you See, are? See, I don't like the, f- the terminology of are you afraid. Like, I'm not really afraid. It's a does thought that, that crosses my mind sometimes of like... Does that influence decisions that you make sometimes? Like, do you ever think about that and you're like, I'm not really making an impact on this world? Yeah, I think about that a lot. But okay. it doesn't really influence... Like, I chose a career in consumer electronics <laughs> and i knew very well going into it like that i could be you know solving the world energy crisis as an engineer or like mm-hmm. doing you know more important things to move the needle but i decided to do something that i'm interested in so i've had that mm-hmm. thought before do um, you have problems with melancholy self-indulgence and self-pity i don't know what you mean by self-indulgence but i have i am very melancholic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so then a four's basic desire is to find themselves and their significance or to create an identity. Do you often have identity crisis? Like, for example, somebody looking in on the outside, it seems that when you moved from your college life to your adult life, you had a little bit of an identity crisis because you were no longer a student. Mm-hmm. When you went to college, you were no longer an athlete. Mm-hmm. And so then you were just Jake, and who is Jake without? And I was no all longer these really a musician. Yes, that hit. That one hit me. Yeah, because but I you went, still are. Yeah, I know, but like I went from living in my parents' basement and playing drums every day for an hour mm-hmm. to moving in an apartment and feeling like I had to ask permission every time. Yeah, which was true, and I just yeah. never played, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I would say I've had a few identity crisis crises. Mm-hmm. in my time and see that's never affected me i've never 
gone from high school to college and been like, well, I'm no longer a, a an athlete or a high, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was just like, cool, I'm done with high school. <laughs> and so that's like a very big difference for yeah. us. Um, NVU. So then for fives, a basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable. Do you often feel incapable or have problems yeah. with like those things? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and your basic desire is to be capable and competent. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense that you would have that both like have mm-hmm. fallen to kind of both of those realms. I'm just reading more about it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's so interesting. And I, I feel mean, like I'm naked. I feel like <laughs> my loins are out on display here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So then <laughs> I was going to talk about how, like, One of the questions was when things get serious, do you tend to try to make light of them? And I've said no. But I think you I did not. <laughs> I think that was also on a different test that I tried. It was that on is this something one, that sixes do also, though, which is funny because we're related and we both fall in the same like center. If you're like coming out of like acting out of your Enneagram five, we would be in the same like thinking center. Yeah. Which is funny. Mm. Mm. Ha ha. Nature or nurture there. Whatever that means. So what's the takeaway here? You don't know what nature or nurture means? I know what it means. Okay. Um, you say that knowing this about you or knowing your Enneagram and really diving into it has opened the world for you. Mm-hmm. How has that changed the way that you take your days, you know? Like what does that mean for you on a practical standpoint yeah like you say like you know how you respond to things and then you say yep that makes sense because i'm a type six has Mm -hmm. that influenced the way like that you act on a daily basis to try to change certain things or to try to lean into certain things or just accept certain things it's made me so it's made me aware of more of my like toxic and destructive tendencies so Things about unhealthy sixes and like severely unhealthy sixes is that they can become really addictive. They have very addictive personalities and behaviors. Mm. Um, They struggle with paranoia and things like that. And that that was kind of like eye-opening to me because that is something that I need to be like on my worst days aware of, you know, and it's like, if you're not trying to be healthy, like these are things that are going to be coming into your life. And so for example, something that I do struggle with is not understanding reality very well. I have a hard time of knowing what is in my brain and what is like actually happening around me. So, Hmm. uh, if somebody, so for example, yesterday we were playing volleyball and this other team was bickering with each other but I could not hear them very well. So it sounded like they were bickering at us. And Mm. so the entire game, I was like, oh my gosh, what, why are like, it becomes a built-in reality to me because I become paranoid Mm. that people are talking about us. And because I was with my friends, that piece of me was becoming defensive and I was going to go say something. (laughs) which would have been a bad situation because I would have went up to them and been like, okay, you guys need to stop talking about us. And they would have been like, 
no, I'm mad at my teammate because they can't get the score right and we have right. to correct them every time. So in times like that, I have to ask somebody like Stefan or Ashley, who is a nine. Mm-hmm. And like I say that they're a nine because they don't pick up on things like that. And if they do pick up on it, then I know it's bad. <laughs> then I know right. it's like it's okay, very yeah. obvious. Yeah. So I'll have to say, oh my gosh, are they actually talking about us? Are they being and that's like a very minor like occurrence that happened, but it's like just a good example. Uh-huh. So there's things like that or um, sixes are very high anxiety because we're driven out of fear. So planning for my camping, month of camping, I'm very sh- – the first thing I wanted to think of was, oh, my gosh, we're going to get – I'm going to get raped. I'm going to get mugged and we're going to get killed. We can't go. That was like the first thing I thought of. And Stefan's like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm like, but what if? What if it does? Yeah. So I have to learn to kind of pull out of that fear and things like that. But you feel like knowing this about yourself has allowed you to um, identify things as they happen versus just like reacting and then getting stuck, right? Yes. You can sort of separate yourself from the stimulus and the reaction and kind of rationalize through things or... Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think more so it helps me explain to somebody like Stefan who, you know, you're, I'm in a more like, I have to communicate constantly because we're married. Mm -hmm. Why I might be experiencing this interaction this way. But you don't, you don't say just because you're a type six. No, I would never say, oh, I'm a six, so I'm upset. Or, oh, I'm a six, so I think they're talking bad about us. Right. I would say, okay, I feel like I don't know what's happening right now, and I feel very paranoid. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe give me a little bit more security that this is not actually happening? Mm. Or like every morning, I have to wake up and say, Stefan, are you mad at me? do you still love me? And he has to go, yes, Sarah, I do still love you. Nothing is wrong. I promise. Mm. And some days I have to ask him six or seven times. And some days I don't ask him at all. Mm. But because my basic need and fear is security. I don't know. I don't know if that's answering your question. Well, no, it but. is. Yeah. No, I just wanted, I wanted to hear how you apply use this life. as a tool for communication Outside of just posting, I'm a type six on my Instagram and like letting <laughs> yeah. other people figure it out for you. Because I think that's, that's really why, where I think this is important is being able to like, obviously reading this five paragraph thing doesn't tell me a lot, but um, like being able to understand the actual tendencies of your behavior and explain mm-hmm. the reason that I'm acting this way is because I feel as though, or I have mm-hmm. this perception or I've responded, I tend to respond to things this way because, um, the, and like give the root cause, not just like, because I'm a five, yeah. it's the way I am, you got to yeah. deal with it. So don't, don't you be bickering behind my back because I'm going right. to come at you like a Karen, <laughs> you know? It does, it helped, it just helped me give a little bit more verbiage to like maybe some of the things I didn't understand before about myself. Mm. But I think the biggest thing that like it's done for me is how I can like understand people better. So because I'm a six, I inter like I take on that. So I'm 
become very paranoid. So if somebody say, for example, is a three, I have a lot of friends who are threes. They're very strong leadership. They're very strong perfectionism. Our mother is a three. Mm. Um, And so the way threes communicate can sometimes feel very attacking to me. And because Mm. I'm a paranoid person, I assume it's because of who I am and because they don't like me. But if I take a step back and say, okay, I know they're a three, they're just trying to X, Y, and Z, whatever the situation is, I can understand maybe a little bit more how they're communicating to me. That doesn't necessarily mean, okay, the way you called me and how you spoke to me is correct because it could still be wrong, but I could maybe see why that's your initial reaction Mm -hmm. versus you're talking to me this way because you hate me, which would Mm -hmm. be my initial reaction. Mm -hmm. Or like I have friends that are fives, which are actually very difficult for me to like have relationships with because they're very melancholy, apathetic, very black and white. So if I'm talking and I'm opening up and being very transparent in the responses, yeah, that sucks. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. I think, oh my God, they hate me. Oh they my don't God. Care. You know, I'm yeah. wasting their time. Right. They're annoyed by me, things like that. And I really wish I would have known this like six years ago because I think it would have helped me in a lot of my like adult relationships, like coming out of high school. Yeah. Going into college, you meet so many different people and it's not just the people you grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you feel as though your type has been consistent through every season? Like looking back, you see the tendencies from when you were younger and still yes. today. Yeah, I definitely, I I think when I first took it, I thought I was going to be a three. I got typed as a three, which is like that perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think I was, I took the wrong test. And I think mm-hmm. that just comes out of the need to be in control, which once I did this, like found the six wing five and read up on it and like read into it a little bit more, I was like, yes, this is, and it just explained a lot more like personality, like issues that I have. Right. (laughs) That's for another episode. (laughs) That's for the therapy episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is just like really interesting. It's like when you read your, like you were saying your astrology thing. Yeah. There's, I'm a Sagittarius and there's things about that that I'm like, is this real? Like, is this like real though? Because this is like accurate. Yeah. I'm always kind of tripped out by that because it's something that I so desperately don't want to be a real thing (laughs) because there's so many quacks. There's so many astrology quacks that I, I don't want to legitimize it at all. But I, that's why, you know, I think like the Myers-Briggs, the strengths finders, this, even your Zodiac sign, as much as I hate to admit it, they all kind of have things that, you know, are accurate. And they also Mm -hmm. have things that you maybe don't agree with. Like there are things in my, in both of my identities that this thing is telling me that I have, um, that I agree with and some things that I don't agree with for both of them. Um, but you know, if my Enneagram type says I like mojitos, then I'm going to probably lean into it. It's probably right. I'm going to look up if there's a thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's also something I think people should understand is that this is not like, like when I read my sixes is though, even though I'm like, yes, I'm exact. Like this is what I am. There are things that like, it'll say that I'm like, I don't really think that's who I am. 
Yeah. Does it say you're a mojito guy? Well, type five is gin and tonic, which I do like gin. Ooh. But type four is a Bloody Mary, which I don't think I've ever had. I love Bloody Marys. What's a sixes? Um, six is sangria. Oh, I love See, sangria. this one says a five is a Bloody Mary and a four is a black velvet. What's a black velvet? Uh... Looks like Guinness and champagne, which sounds disgusting. Ew. You can't trust these. They're all on Pinterest. Those things, too, like, they kind of annoy me. I mean, I like the, I follow, like, a couple Enneagram accounts on Instagram, and they're sometimes, they're, like, memes, so it'll be, like, Kim Kardashian crying, and it'll be, like, (laughs) sixes, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's really accurate, and then there's some that are, like, like I pulled up a Pinterest one and it was like, please don't reject me. Make sudden changes. Make small talk. And it's like, I don't mind small talk. Those are the ones that I see on people's Instagram stories a lot. And it's like, yeah, nobody really wants to be rejected. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's really specific to a six. Make sudden changes. Yeah, that I don't like that. But right. those are kind of ones that make it, I think, discredit it a little bit because it's really watering down the meat of it to just like a cute pin or post Mm -hmm. but i do like to post enneagram stuff that are like self-deprecating because i think (laughs) it's just so accurate yeah i just saw one the other day and it was like i was like offended at how accurate it was (laughs) yeah it's like this is illegal Mm. i think you stole this from my diary sobering sobering So, and then there's also the fun thing that you can do, like you can look into is that you have your arrows. So your arrows are where you are in times of stress and in times of growth. So for example, a five. Do I have to take a different test for that? No, it tells you it. It's the same for all of them. I don't see it. Okay. Um, So a five in times of stress, you become like a scattered seven, hyperactive, all over the place. But when you're in times of growth, you become more confident and decisive, like an eight, healthy eight, because eights can not be healthy. They either. can all not be healthy. Yes. So like Stephen Hawking, Vincent Van Gogh, we're all fives, Emily Dickinson, Stephen King. How'd they get them to take the test? Bill Gates. I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> Jane Goodall. I think they just personality typed them. Mm. I'd be surprised if they actually took I them. I don't like that. I don't like people telling me what they think I am. Okay. It's your five coming out. Yeah. Let's see who a four was. Uh, Johnny Depp. Kat Von D. Ugh. Angelina Jolie. Winona Ryder. Kate Winslet. A lot of actors. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you could go look I could, for I the Declaration the next, of Independence. Be the next Nick Cage. That's what <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. Man, all right. All right. Well, this was fun. I th- feel like I've, uh, my eyes have been opened a little bit to the application. Mm-hmm. I you sh- should Google then like Enneagram 5 relationship with Enneagram 2 because that's what your girlfriend's is. And then you can see maybe how like, It'll just give you examples of how you guys communicate in different conflicts and different times of like stress and growth. Because Stefan did not think he was a nine until he read that. And he was like, yep, I'm a nine. Yeah, I think that would probably, 
the way that I interact with other people would probably be more uh, telling. Yeah. I can't spell. So you think I'm a five? I think your adult self is a five, but your inner self is a four. Mm, I see. Uh, I'm not going to read this right now. But it's interesting <laughs> that I, it's very interesting that those both can be mistyped as each other. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the two that you got. And so. we're talking about identity crisis. No kidding. <sighs> I wow. Just can't catch a break here. Way to really give a four an identity crisis, <laughs> not tell them what their Enneagram is. <laughs> Who am I? I mean, getting pent up about that is probably an indication that you are. Yeah. The one that has identity crises. Yeah. Maybe that's the trick. Mm, They're like, well, no, because if you don't care and if you're like, cool, you're a five. But if you're like, no, I don't like that. You're, you're a four. four. Mm, All right. Tricky. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so every week Jake and I do a go-to for this for the week. So Jake, what is your go-to this week? Um, my go-to this week is nothing special. It's just coffee. Um because I've really started to realize how important it is to me to have coffee every morning. I've been mm-hmm. I'm addicted. I've been Pavlov dogged, trained to like <laughs> my day, my brain can't fire until I have coffee. Yep. Um I was out yesterday and it threw off my whole day mm-hmm. so like even on the weekends now i used to not drink coffee on the weekends i start every day a cup of coffee i don't drink coffee throughout the day it's just one cup so i'm good there but yeah that's my go-to this week mm-hmm. do you have a specific kind that you drink like is it like cold brew cream like what's your order well i just uh just bought a 45 pack of um starbucks breakfast blend Keurig cups. For your Keurig, okay. So that's what I'm drinking right now. Okay. I do really like cold brew. Um, mm-hmm. That's like, that's my weekend coffee, like my mm-hmm. treat. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's expensive, I feel like, to drink every day, and I don't make my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should, but you there's something about that. something about hot coffee in the morning, too, that I, I don't know, I like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, if I go get coffee, it's always just like black coffee or... Uh, like iced coffee or cold brew. I'm just, you know, Mm -hmm. watching the cows, so I don't want any cream and sugar or anything in it. So, Can we just go on record for all you fake coffee fans? Cold brew and iced coffee are different, and I'm talking to you scooters. Yeah, they are. Stop charging me $5 for iced coffee when (laughs) I ordered cold cold brew. brew. Yeah. Yeah, it is different. Different. What's your go-to this week? My go-to is Kodiak cakes in a mug. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to cut a couple pounds too. And by a couple, I mean a lot. Mm. So uh, I can't eat cake anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I was like really craving a chocolate cake last weekend. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can't. And so I looked up because I remember you had said something about these like because I didn't want to make pancakes. I was sick of them. Mm. So I put it in the mug, but I didn't cook it all the way. So it was mm-hmm. like gooey. And mm-hmm. I put a tablespoon of all natural peanut butter in it. So it got like even gooey in the middle. Careful mm. with that peanut butter. Hey, I measured it out and I had my calories. There you go. And it was amazing. Like I dream of it. That that used to be my treat as well. That used to be yeah. my uh, 
one of my pre-workout snacks was Kodiak cake. Um, just like I would make it basically as like a normal cake in a cake pen, cake pen. Pe- oh, really? Cake tin pan. <laughs> cake pan. <laughs> tin. <laughs> anyway, just so I could cut it up into six parts, six pieces. <laughs> I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> anyway. Oh used to, you know, uh, muffins are good too because they're pre-portioned. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely had my fair share. I used to do it just in a bowl, put the bowl in the microwave. Yeah. I didn't have any mugs. Yeah, they are like so that. good. Mm-hmm. So those are my, that's my go-to. What flavor week. of Kodiak cake? Chocolate? Dark chocolate, yeah. yeah. That's, that's but I got their pancakes, the chocolate chip ones, mm-hmm. and they put almond extract in it, and it is very good. It must be new. And they're frozen ones. Oh, I've never had those. I've only those ever gotten so the good. mix. I love the frozen stuff. They're a great snack if you're like... Crap, I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. Just pop it in the toaster. and Good amount of protein in those, too. That's kind of the yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Relatively Relatable. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review of our show if you haven't already. And to stay connected with us, you can find us on Instagram at Relatively Relatable Pod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.